the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website, www.thebiblelive.com, or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. So we will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us. This is The Bible Live. Uh, Soapy Dollar in the saddle here and his trusty sidekick, <laughs> Jacob. Yeah. Actually, the Lone Ranger had a sidekick. I know he did. He yes. did. He I was know not a mind na- reader. I know his name, too. Uh, what was his name? A psychic. Uh, a psychic. <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious. If you call the 900 number, you get the Lone Ranger psychic. <laughs> All right. Listen, before we get started, there's yeah. something so important. Yes. Matt, I say so important. <clears throat> how, it, how important is it? Well, this just seems like a Johnny Carson stitch. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, the uh, Okay. Do you know, of course, it's sunset now, but during the day today. Um, now, I, first of all, I want to say something that what I'm going to say is going to be a real puzzlement to me. But I don't know why. What you're going to say is going to be a puzzlement to you. Yes. Okay. I am going to confuse myself. <laughs> Are you ready? Well, I'm ready. Okay. Well, is this dangerous? Should we stand back? Or, or? Well, you should have your seatbelt on. Okay. You and, seat and, uh, you know, one time I was on an airplane, a stewardess came by and said, is your belt buckled? I said, yes, ma'am. My zipper's all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's very interesting sidelight. No, no, but anyway, um, but uh, but here's what I was going to say: is today after sunset of uh, uh, today, of course, the day has ended. But today, yes, in history, yes, is a very important day. May twentieth. Oh uh, well, yeah, yeah. For- 
for being May twentieth, or because no, the, for another reason, the Jewish calendar, right? Well, it would be your, the biblical calendar. No, all right, there we go. The biblical. So the, let's say that's this. That's appropriate. Yes. Actually, today, and mm-hmm. of course, the Jews have this uh, deal where they let them stay up all night, night before, uh-huh. and study the Torah, the Ten Commandments. I think I know this day. Uh huh. Okay, now. It's it is today is the day in the biblical archives when the Ten Commandments were given to the at Mount Sinai. Okay. Now the anniversary date of that is the Pentecost in the Book of Acts, where uh-huh. the Holy Spirit began a new relationship yes. with God's people. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now here's what ha- is always. And I've actually spoke to two or three people today about this, and I'm not going to lie to you. I am confused by it. Nobody knew about it. Well, is that what you're going to say? Almost. But uh-huh. I want to say the prefatory remark that's a, a sort of a padding remark first. I think in the Christian world that the event is probably more important than the day it happened. The event is more important than the day it happened, I think. You may be on to a great Great, deep truth that is probably a distinctive from uh, from the way we uh, kind of as Gentiles or as believers you know receive the gospel and respond to it. Uh, yeah, you're right. I don't think that the calendar itself maybe maybe the calendar doesn't uh-huh. leave as much well, to us. Well, here's what. Here's the part. Now, having said the padding, the kind thing, uh-huh. now I'm going ex- to no. express my confusion. I, I want you to know, now, I could be wrong because I haven't checked everywhere, but I have checked a number of places. Uh-huh. And this has been going on for a number of years. I cannot find any Christian church that e- even today I did I did some checking with Christian churches. Uh-huh. I can't find a Christian church that knows it, mentions it, it says anything about like, hey, did you all happen to know today is the day the Holy Spirit arrived? And even if they don't want to talk about it. But I cannot find other Jews. It's a big deal. Like they stay up the whole night before, and I'll tell you why in a second. And you study the Ten Commandments, and you actually go through and you read portions of the entire Torah and the entire Tanakh, believe it or not. So it goes on all night. And you do a lot of deep study. Uh-huh. It's important. But and I'll tell you why that tradition has taken place. But uh-huh. what I am... I don't understand, and maybe it's my mindset, but I, I even checked today with two or three people, even a friend of mine that that's uh, a philosophy professor, and he's teaching a class at the yeah. Baptist Church. And they I'm interested not, in what he thought. He didn't know either. No, he did not know. And he didn't know why he didn't know. <laughs> well, yeah, so I, but my sense is that the event is well known, and the yeah. event is important, but the anniversary or the day it happened doesn't seem, and here was my response. When I was talking to him, and I've asked some other people, I want to tell you, a few years ago, when it occurred, I actually stopped at a big church. I was going down the road, and I said, I'm going to stop in there and see what they have to say today. So I actually stopped and went in. And, you know, anybody can go. It's like going to McDonald's. Anybody can go. Now, where is this you went? A, a, A church. Oh, okay. This was a few years ago. It was a Mick Church. Uh, it's a Mick Church. Uh. <laughs> anyway, so, really so I went in there because I thought this you? will be interesting. This is a number of years ago. This is when it really came to my attention. And I came in, I said, because I thought I'm going to hear something interesting from the Christian perspective about today is Pentecost. And they didn't even mention it. He didn't mention it. So the next day, I sent him an email. No response. I sent a second email. No response. 
I let it go. But what I started then from that incident, I started really checking around, and and I understand that the event is important. But here's my response to the guy I was telling you, who's a he's a philosophy and theological professor, went to Dallas Theological Seminary. He's been teaching a class at a big Baptist church, which I will not name, but he's a very very smart guy. And uh, but. So when I brought it up and I said today, I I talked to him and I said, well, you know, today is the date the Ten Commandments were given. And uh, and uh, John's asking me in writing, what was the church? And I just shook my head, no. (laughs) John's always trying to get us in trouble here. Then then I said to him. The church he visited, what was the no, I don't want to. I don't want to say the names of any no, churches. No, was, it, was it Episcopal? No, it was actually. Catholic? It was actually. Uh, well, I visited many of them, John, over the years. Because okay. I really got curious. And so the first time it occurred to me, I was driving down the road. And I said, "I'm going to go and listen because I'm going to learn something how they appreciate it." And I found out there wasn't mention. Then after that, I started really checking, and and so today when I spoke to this. Guy I know who's a, was teaching a class and usually teaches out of college. And today is that day. It's today, well, yes, Sunday, today, yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it's the day the Ten Commandments were given, but and in Pen- and in the New Testament, fifty called, days after this Pentecost, is, uh-huh. fifty days, and Hebrew is called Shavuot. Uh-huh. So, so it's the same day. So fifty days after Passover, the uh, the Ten Commandments were given. Now, in the New Testament, uh, in the Book of Acts, in the Christian Scriptures, you've got. Uh, the Pentecost arriving. Now, he said to me exactly what I was saying to you. He said, well, we don't have the tradition of being concerned about that. He said, but it's very important that the Holy Spirit arrived for the Uh Christians. uh uh And I said, I I can appreciate that. I said, but I do have a thought on this. And he said, what's that? And I said, well, if it wasn't something that somebody, let's say God, wanted you to know, why would they have recorded it, that this is Pentecost? It seems like it's very important for the Christian that it arrived, the event. But it seems like since it's recorded that it's something that somebody wants somebody else to know, the anniversary date, that when it happened. And I and what puzzles me, and I'm being I'm trying to be fair about I this. Know, I, know I do not understand. Not, I understand the event is important, and knowing it, and that's very important. But I don't understand, and I cannot find. But if anybody out there knows a Christian church that actually mentions it today, or and do you know how, and you know why. In the Book of Acts, and of course in Exodus, uh, the date of Shavuot or Pentecost is not given. Do you know why? Because it's real. The well, there is no absolute. Well, because it's it's hmm. the date of is not. It's given in relationship to Passover, right? Exactly. In terms of that way, if they were to get, exactly right, if they were to give a date of let's say Pentecost when uh-huh. for the Christian when the Holy Spirit arrived, uh-huh. that would mean that we could keep that and celebrate that, but. By only being able to count, and there's actually some verses in Exodus and in Leviticus, by the way, that says you shall count for yourself 50 days, but you must know the date of Passover and then the count of 50 days. That way, Pentecost, when the Ten Commandments were given or the Holy Spirit was given in the Christian scriptures, can never be separated from Passover. You can only know that in the relationship, how it attaches to Passover. So, so you got Passover, 
and then you get God's laws. And in the Christian scriptures, now I, I hasten to add. That's interesting. Could that be any kind of an explanation as to why one kind of tends to overshadow the other? Well, Passover tends to overshadow Pentecost in a way because it's Pentecost is secondary to right. 50 days from. What's 40 days from? Isn't there something else? That, uh, in the Christian scriptures, it says Jesus went around and traveled after right. the resurrection for 40, for 40 days. days. Yes, <laughs> The ascension, I guess so, it would be. <clears throat> the ascension no. would take place, um, uh, let's see, he was in the tomb three days. He traveled seven days. And he traveled, he was running around for 40 days. So you got your seven, the 40, and the three, 50 days. Now, here's my thought, and, and I understand the events very, more, probably more important. But it does occur to me, if it's written in there, why would it be written if it, let's say, God didn't want the Christians to know? And it doesn't give the date, but it, but it does give the date in the in Exodus when Passover occurs. So we know Passover, and the Jewish understanding is because it does say, "And you shall count fifty days for yourself." Mm-hmm. That way, you can never separate getting God's sure. laws or the Holy Spirit from Passover, because Passover is all about freedom. And then we have to ask ourselves, well, why does the land of Israel become important in this thing? Because what ensures freedom? Land. If you're free, you have you own a piece of land. That's why it became in America essential. Like after World War II, we set up the GI Bill, etc. Because if you own a piece of the land that belongs to you, what happens is you are invested. It belongs to you. You have your security, your economic security, your freedom. Without your own way to survive, you don't really ensure freedom. So, so that so I've always but what has been a puzzlement to me, and I'd be open to any thoughts on it from your. Well, mm-hmm. I'll say even John. That, uh, that, um, <laughs> that low, huh? We're just, well, we're really I'm, dip- I'm joking, John. I'm joking. But what I'm saying is I, I really am startled by the fact that I can't find anybody in the Christian world that knows. And to the Jews, I'm not saying the Jews always are right, but I am saying it's a very big deal. Now, would you like to know why the Jews have the tradition of staying up and studying all night? Mm-mm. Well, I, I thought you just said it's because it's when the Ten Commandments were given. It is, but they could just get up in the morning and have it. Oh, all night. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> so that's the question. Why do they stay up all night? Now, why do they study? Hmm, I don't know. Ah, it's because of this. Now, this is not biblical. Mm-hmm. It is, if you like folklore, if you like tradition, whatever you want to call it. Tradition. That's right. There you go. And sometime we'll talk about why the fiddler is playing on the roof. That's right. Do you know why? Mm, yeah, I think you told me yeah. one time. Well, the, it's got a, it's a pitch roof. Of the, yeah. uh, He's right on top. Uh-huh. And he has to be balance himself as he makes beautiful music between the religious world and the secular world, but he's still expected to make music. <laughs> okay. Anyway, but so, uh, the reason yeah. I stay up all night is, and this is tradition or folklore, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's a midrash, but the idea is that there was an understanding that the Jews knew they were getting the Ten Commandments the next morning from God. 
And they should have been pretty excited. I mean, if I told you, Soapy, 100% guaranteed, tomorrow morning God's talking to you, you might find it difficult to not be excited. So, but they went to sleep. Well, you think, well, who would go to sleep? So, they, so in other words, to kind of make up for that, the Jews had developed a tradition to stay up and study the Ten Commandments even though you're tired, but you'll be awake, you'll not be sleeping when God talks again, and, and it is the commemoration not only of an anniversary and a happening, but the reacceptance by every Jew that's alive of receiving the Ten Commandments for himself on this day. And that is the thing, I think, that marvels me in the Christian world. So it's not only a corporate, but it's an individual. individual. Uh So I wondered, how come, because a lot of the Christians, I'm going to guess, were not alive, and that are alive today, were not alive in the book of Acts time. So I wonder if they're receiving it, maybe that's why, if the same tradition holds true, maybe that's why in the uh, in the Gospels and or in the Book of Acts and the Christian Scriptures, how come, maybe that's why it's written there because they want each person to recognize that this is your day personally. Now that you're alive, you are getting it today. This is when it happened for you. Maybe the same tradition the Jews have developed, or maybe not. But I do think it, it's written there. They want you to know. If they didn't want you to know, they wouldn't have put it there. You know, I think you may be on to something. It would be very appropriate because the sad thing in the Christian world, as far as I know and have observed and and so on, and as you said, um, um, my opinion may not be absolutely correct, but what do you say? I'm an expert in my own opinion, at least. That is true. And I would say this from uh, a pretty good number of years of observing and experiencing uh, uh, congrega- many different congregations and churches. Uh, <clears throat> one of the saddest <clears throat> realities in, in our Christian world is a, a deep ignorance about the person and work of the Holy Spirit and uh why he has come, what is his function in our life. He, uh, it's an, uh, an unbelievably important truth, and it's an unbelievably important thing to understand so that by faith we, we can walk in it, we can, we can uh, put our lives and our will in harmony with what the Spirit is doing in this. So it is a very sad thing that we don't. Uh, again, I'm not so sure the date. Maybe if we observe the date, more uh, carefully and use that opportunity then to explain why the Spirit came, uh, who the Holy Spirit is. A lot of a lot of Christian believers, I think, don't really have a clear concept of who the Holy Spirit is. We, you know, you get a sense of the Father, uh, the Fatherhood of God, God the Father of God, the Son. Um, now, we get into things about uh, the Trinity here, but the idea is that it seems like those two are more okay. easily understood. The Christians have the Trinity. I know that. It's okay. I, I know. Uh, but, 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 yeah, but, um, never mind. Uh, the I wasn't. I don't want to enter into that into that arena uh, okay. with you. But yeah, yeah. the point is that we we understood the idea, the concept of fatherhood. And, and sonship, those are they're clearer to us. But when you come to this one called the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, it 
it to some degree is a little more uh, a little more confusing i think uh, uh, even as a child I, you know i could get and i don't you know we have to realize that these these three distinct persons of the godhead uh, the, the name doesn't define them uh, the titles they have there are many titles for the, for god uh given in the scriptures and and all of them are given not to define or put God in the box, but they're given because they explain something to us about God and his nature. They communicate something to, to human beings about God and who he is and, and, and how, you know, his ways. Well, I assume then that in G- it was Jesus himself who pretty much, um, he wasn't it Jesus who pretty much formalized the understanding of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? He... Each of those are mentioned distinct in the in the Tanakh in the Hebrew Scriptures, but not to that degree. But he often the Father was the Father. I mean, Jesus referred to the Father, prayed to the Father, uh, and so he spoke of the Holy Spirit as coming, the Comforter, the uh, you know the the Paraclete, the one who comes alongside, and so and didn't uh, and to himself uh, as and the Son. Jesus said, "I'm going away." But I will send you mm-hmm. the Comforter, which actually is translated from the Greek, the Helper. Well, I think he says, I, I, I'm going away. I really have to go away. Actually, he told his disciples, guys, i got to get out of here. I mean, it was almost a giddy sort of a thing if you catch the tone of the passage. Okay. I, so why? So the Father can send the Spirit. Uh-huh. And so there is definitely a connection okay. between him completing his work the atoning work at passover and the coming there there is a definitely a connection between what jesus accomplished uh-huh. as messiah and the gifting of the spirit it, it was and i think what it is i don't think i'm i'm just pretty positive that what it is is that jesus in his role as messiah uh, eternal Son of God, yes, always was, always will be. Couldn't stop being God if he was God from the beginning. There's no way he could stop being God. Right, right. So that point, that's not worth discussing right now. But the point is, is the real point was that in his his role as Messiah, his role wasn't to prove that he was God. His role was to walk out the perfect life of a man, a man of faith. And he walked that line out. He lived perfectly by faith and trust and confidence in the Father and the guidance of the Spirit. And and when he did that, he became, in that sense, in his role as Messiah and the incarnate man of God, he became the, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? He, he became the firstborn of the twiceborn. He became the prototype for the new race of the redeemed, just as Adam uh was the prototype for humanity in the biological sense. Jesus now is the second Adam, as Paul calls him. He's the the firstborn of the of the new creation of new, and so he becomes the, the new Adam, the second Adam. Sure. And but on that occasion, because he is victorious, because he's accomplished it, then now uh, as we trust in him as believers, what Paul lays out in Romans chapter six is that uh, we are we. 
as by our faith and identification with him, everything that's true of him now becomes true of us in in uh, in that sense of uh, spiritual DNA you know that we receive and part of that was that Jesus was uh, he was indwelt by and walked in the power of the Holy Spirit from the time he was a little egg a fertilized egg on the wall of Mary's womb to the time he died he was a a man who walked in the power of the spirit and the, and, and escorted by the spirit through life as in his role as the man as, as the Messiah man of faith and now because of that, what we see 50 days later at Pentecost, it's it, it's not the first time the Holy Spirit ever came to planet Earth. He, in the you know he was in part of the creative event in Genesis chapter one verses one through three. There, the Holy Spirit moved upon the face of the waters and so on. And all through the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit, the the three persons of the Trinity, the Godhead, are all three co- continually involved in every act uh, that that we see in Scripture. But uh, what we see here then is now because Jesus had completed his task successfully. Now, every believer, every follower of Jesus, every one who trusts in, in Messiah and comes into the family of God through that, 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 that door of faith and his work of finished work of, of the Messiah, we too now are indwelt from the time of our new birth, when we were born again and begin our walk with God, we are indwelt. In other words, the Spirit of God is there to escort us, to, to teach us, to guide us, and all the things that Jesus promised, that he would lead you into all truth, he will speak of. And one of the things that Jesus said is he will speak of me. He will not glorify himself. He will, he, he will speak of me. He will lift me. And so that may be one of the reasons that the Holy Spirit uh, isn't so much... And, and I, I, I hesitate to say it because it's so important that we know who the Spirit is and what He's doing. But on the other hand, uh, sometimes, sometimes when we, when people get too kind of outlandish and overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit, they start talking weird stuff and strange things. You know, the, some of the things that go along with with that. That uh, the point is that the, when the Holy Spirit. It comes and we realize his presence and we realize his filling, his controlling and empowering work in our spirit. It's not that we go around talking more about the Holy Spirit. It's that he's going to empower us and encourage us and guide us to speak more and more about Jesus, to exalt the Savior, point people faithfully to the Messiah. So it, it's there's a little bit of reasoning there as to maybe why it's become, to some degree, the work of the Spirit has become a little more secondary but on the other hand i think you may be right if we if we kept the date and regarded it and spoke, that would give us occasion to talk about yeah most my, people my most only, churches yeah, don't talk very much about only, the holy yeah, spirit my at only all curiosity is that if i were a mm-hmm. baptist preacher a church of christ uh, anybody oh and the music That's a big up. stretch in my imagination, uh-huh. but That's okay. w- when we come back, uh-huh. we're going to find out what Jacob would say uh-huh. if he were a Baptist preacher. Yes. I think that's a tease that's supreme. A tease. That's, that's a, right. People are going to hang on to hear what this uh, Jewish fellow would do if he were a Baptist preacher. I'm, I'm kind of anxious to hear that myself, folks. I hope you'll give us a call. We're going to be here another hour, 340-9585, 340 The area code, of course, is 210. And we're going to be right back, so don't you go away. We'll continue with The Bible Live. 
Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Luke 6 tells us, bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Our Daily Bread. Today's encouragement from the Our Daily Bread devotional was written by David McCaslin. In 1960, six-year-old Ruby Bridges was the first African-American child to integrate an all-white public elementary school in the American South. Every day for months, federal marshals escorted Ruby past a mob of angry parents shouting curses, threats, and insults at her. Safely inside, she sat in a classroom alone with Barbara Henry, the only teacher willing to instruct her, while parents kept their children from attending school with Ruby. Noted child psychologist Robert Coles met with Ruby for several months to help her cope with the fear and stress she experienced. He was amazed by the prayer Ruby said every day as she walked to school and back home. Echoing Jesus, she said, Please, God, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. The words of Jesus spoken from the cross were stronger than the hatred and insults hurled at him. In the most agonizing hours of his life, our Lord demonstrated the radical response he taught his followers. In Luke 6, Jesus says, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. This remarkable approach is possible only as we consider the powerful love Jesus has given us. Love stronger than even the deepest hatred. Ruby Bridges helped show us the way. Today's encouragement was provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries. National and local ministry shows you know and trust every weekday on AM630 The Word. Like Family Life Today, mornings at 9, Messianic Perspectives, afternoons at 1, and Maranatha Bible Church at 5 p.m. on AM630 The Word and am630theword.com. Have you ever gone through a rough patch in life? That's where Doug found himself after his wife left him. I knew God was in control and was part of all this, but um, I just didn't know when that day was going to come, when the pain was going to stop. What did Doug feel during that time? Oh, anger. Anger and misery and just heartbroken for sure. Even though he was heartbroken, Doug never lost his faith in God's plan. Eventually, he remarried, and today, Doug is raising a family with his wife, Jamie. We have two beautiful children. It's amazing. I, you know, God has restored that part of my life, the relationship, and it's beauty. I mean, it's beauty. I've always wanted a family. I've always wanted kids. Marriages aren't supposed to be broken, but, you know, now I've been restored and have a beautiful marriage that will never be broken. God has a plan for your life, too. Learn more at findpeacewithgod.net. 
It's from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Lord, you are glorious. That is indeed the truth. What an amazing and mighty, glorious, magnificent, and uh, no other one like him, the God of the Bible. The, the, the God of Scripture is... is it's if if a person could had the ability to make him up, they wouldn't, and even if they would, they couldn't. <laughs> that's, that's something I think C.S. Lewis said at one time. The, the God of the Bible is so unique and so surprising. In some ways, he meets every expectation: his goodness, his greatness, his power. Uh, on the other hand, there are things about him that we just would not have uh, imagined. Remember when people, in the mythological days, people tried to make up their gods. You know, you have Mars, you have uh, Mercury, you know, the, the Roman mythologies and the Norse mythology gods. And it, it's so amazing that the idea of making up gods. Uh, I, I've Sometimes when I read the, the, in the New Testament, you see people of the Roman Empire at that time. There's, they had their gods and their understanding. Even now, Caesar was a god. Yeah, yeah, Caesar was a god. It, and it, it, it's, but they were so un, unsatisfying. It was like you know, it was clearly God, a man creating God in his own image. You know. You know, as a matter of fact, the story of Cain and Abel uh-huh. uses many of the same Hebrew words, so you associate that with Mount Sinai. Really? So you remember at Mount Sinai, you have a fire at the top, uh-huh. God's way of doing things. Uh-huh. At the bottom, you have these people making their own God, uh-huh. making up their own laws. And many of those words are so very suggestive since the same Hebrew words that, about Cain and Abel. So you got the thing being repeated again, you see. Yeah. So it's fascinating it how is. these things are meant to, to draw up these things. And what I was going to tell you what the tease if I were a preacher <laughs> uh, I can oh, see on this day uh-huh. yeah, to me it seems like a great lead way into a sermon and I assume that preachers are in need once in a while of a good sermon sure, because I got to do it every week and that gets hard that, oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. uh, you've got to be good and entertaining and you got to be inspiring all the time and that's hard to have that pressure on you but I would think this would be perfect. Somebody to say, do you know what happened today? This is the biblical day, and we don't have to guess. We have the date of when Passover is. We count 50 days. This is not a magic made uh-huh, up uh-huh. thing. We know for sure the date. Now, I think that would be needed for a preacher's name to say, by the way, did you all know what happened today in history? And let me tell you what happened. Now, in the book of Acts, as I was telling you during the break, uh-huh. it doesn't start off by saying he just gives the Holy Spirit. And it does say he shall lead you into all truth. 
Well, I always get a little concerned about that line because I'm wondering, well, if it leads you to the whole truth, how come you don't know the truth of when it is? Uh, but, uh, but I've got an answer for that, by okay, the way. That's yeah. right. but, but my point is he doesn't go back and say, what, you know, I'm God. I created everything. I did this. I was there at the very uh-huh, beginning. Uh-huh. It comes from the Christian theology. He was there at the beginning. Sure. So, But he doesn't go back and say all that stuff. And similarly to the Ten Commandments. It doesn't start off by saying, did, did you guys know that I'm God? I created all this. I'm such How a great important guy. I am. Ah, that's right. <laughs> Instead, the first biblical commandment is, I am the Lord your God that brought you out of slavery, out of the house of bondage from Egypt. Egypt yes. So in other words, he's saying the fact that if you're a slave, it doesn't make any difference if there's a God that created all this. Because you could look at it negatively because you could say, wait a minute, you made me a slave? Or you failed to give me the Holy Spirit, so I have understanding in the book of Acts. But So if I were a preacher, I would say, you know what matters to a person is what God did for you. In the Ten Commandments, he said, the fact I exist, that doesn't mean anybody do it. something to a slave. I did something to I gave you freedom. In the book of Acts... Yeah, I'm, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, so now you understand the spiritual realm of everything. This is yeah, what matters. because I brought you out of bondage to sin and selfishness. Yeah, exactly. And the, the same Passover message, but in a spiritual so I've always, vein, if yes. I, it seems like it would yeah. be something that a preacher would want. No to doubt mention. about it. Well, I, I think it's unmistakable that in our Christian churches, there needs to be a clearer, better more practical and exciting understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what he's doing in each of our lives because it's a it's an it's an amazing wonderful truth as a consequence of Messiah completing his role successfully we now every believer uh, who every child of God wherever we are around planet earth and it comes to faith is born again in Christ that person now becomes a, a a, a temple of the Holy Spirit. He is yeah. indwelt by God's Spirit. God's Spirit is there to escort him to glory, unfailingly to glory, and <clears throat> to empower his life and influence and witness to help others come to know uh, that confident relationship with God through the Messiah. It, it's an amazing, wonderful truth, and uh, maybe that would be a good occasion for us to present it, it is at uh, Pentecost every year. I'm sure there are some congregations, Jacob. Well, I, there must be, because I cannot be the only person in the world that talks to Christians that knows this. I th- it seems to me that some of the uh, the liturgical well, no, congregations... That's what, the, that's what my friend said to me. He said, the, the <clears throat> philosophy professor, theological professor, uh-huh. well, he said, I, I think probably the liturgical churches know this. So, and my response was, well, I have checked with them. I can't get them to acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, it's not that I'm putting anybody down. Sure. No, I, you're just, just wondering. You're I'm puzzled. wondering. Well, I think I'm going to call my uh, – the, the, there's a um, liturgical chaplain at the uh, uh, base where we work. We work with a lot of different chaplains there in the Air Force. And uh, I might ask uh, Chaplain Reese what, about that and say, what, what is it? Do you, do you guys observe? I, I kind of feel like they do. Uh, if they remember, you know, Pentecost and well, mark it down. Yeah, Doesn't that have something to do? Is is it Lent? No, Lent has more to do with the. Um, no, no, it's not not the same thing. Yeah. Oh, that has to do with uh, with what the ascension? Well, with- uh, yes. <clears throat> now I don't know. People have different points of view, uh, and I know that 
we have to be broad-minded enough to respect everybody's sincere, different mm-hmm. point of view, because sometimes people are sincere, sure, sure. and sometimes they see things differently. However, I must say that, uh, to me, in my world, from my perspective, I know that you can have, and you had mentioned to me before, sometimes in Christian churches they have something called Pentecostal Weekend or uh-huh. Pentecost Weekend. Well, that's important. That's about the event. Uh-huh. But in my world, it also means the date is important. That's my world. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, the event's important, yeah, yeah. but the date is well, important. Well, you guys, I mean, you guys, again, <laughs> the calendar is very important. Hey, we're in, uh, for, for tonight's oh, discussion, yeah. we're in the books of uh, first, well, just uh, first and second chronicles. Yeah, we ended up. Right. And uh, there's some neat things in here. There really are. I, I've found a couple of things that even I are interested. Well, listen, <laughs> uh, you, in. uh, and we're going to, we're picking up tonight. I want to just point out something in chapter first chronicles 27 verse 23 mm-hmm. do you see what it says oh well, let me uh first chronicles uh first chronicles hang on I'm, I'm headed that direction i was at a different 27 place. 23 because there's something interesting here that we're going to explain about what david did wrong before when he did a census that's remember? right we were on that last week and we talked about joab his general that ah, kind of yes. warned him about it 27 23 yes sir Let's see what you got here. It says here, when David took his senses, he did not count those who were younger than 20 years of age because the Lord had promised to make the Israelites as numerous as the stars in heaven. You're going to have to repeat what you told me about this idea of the stars in heaven yes. or the sand on the okay. beaches. Joe, is that the only verse you wanted to read? Yeah, that's really it. What it's okay. about is, it, so he did not count them, okay? But. And it's making a point that it is numerous as the stars in the heaven. So numerous or numerosity is not the point. So when, and like in Genesis, it says your, your descendants will be like the sands of the sea uh-huh. or like the stars in heaven. Yeah. So they're both numerous. That's not the point. Okay. When you obey God's laws, you will be numerous, but you will shine like the stars above. Ah. But if you do not obey God's laws, you'll, you'll be numerous you'll still as well. Be numerous, but you'll be like the sand, and people will walk on you. <laughs> I remember that now. I've, um, that's that's one of those pictures that I uh, that you, the way you guys tell pictures uh, is. It does make it a little easier to remember, even for an old man like me. Hey, let's go to the phone line and pick okay. up Harold, right. and then we'll come back to some of these aspects of oh, the yeah. book and, of and, Chronicles. And the section we're doing tonight also gives us the magic formula numbers of that tells us that the ark is too big to fit into the Holy of Holies, but it does. Mm-hmm. And it's in what we're reading tonight. Also, last week we ended up in the program, we kind of... Got cut off quickly last week, but we were talking about this fella named uh, Odom, um, Odom, uh, Adom, and he. We find out a little bit of a secret here about how to have a large, prosperous family as well. We were talking about how the the Ark of the Covenant was not able to go into Jerusalem. David tried, and then he, it fell off the wagon, and, and the fellow tried to stabilize it or stop it, and he got zapped, you know, uh, Uzzah. And then, uh, is that Uzzah the same name as the, mach- the machine gun, the automatic weapon? Well, that's a Uzi. Uzi, okay. But it was invented in Israel. Did you <laughs> yeah, know that? that? It came from Israel. I, I, yeah, so everybody could have their own <clears throat> machine gun. Is an Uzi just a plural Uzzah? Uh, it could be. Actually, okay. if you put an I on it, it, means, it could mean my. 
Because you put, like, I on it, so, like, my. It could be my. Hmm. Well, anyway, I don't know what made me think of that. But we got this fellow who uh, they put the they put the Ark of the Covenant in his home. Once they got kind of distracted and by this death of this person, instead of going on with the project, uh, they stopped. And they put it in his home for a year. And as it turns out, this fellow gets incredibly blessed of God mm-hmm. and uh, in his family life. So uh, it, because of the presence of the Ark of the Covenant in his home, mm-hmm. uh, we, we can look at that. I, I've always thought that was one of the most interesting phenomena. Me, an orphan, no family, I'm always kind of fascinated with all things uh, uh, familial, all right? And it, and it has always caught my attention how this man and his family were blessed by the presence of the Ark of the Covenant in their home. Before we get too okay. far, though, let's get a hold of Harold and see if we can see what's on his mind tonight. Harold is calling in from here yeah. in the great city of San Antonio. What's on your mind, Harold? San Antonio. Well, you know, I really enjoy listening to all the comments and uh, the, uh, the conversations and everything, and I've always wondered what happened to mine. I didn't say it right. But, you know, it's kind of hard to follow up. <laughs> I didn't say it right. Uh, but you, you, wanna, anyway, you want to hang up and call in and try again? Another? <laughs> we can, I don't know. I don't we think can just pretend that did not happen. <laughs> that did not happen. Okay. But, uh, but, no, anyway, I was trying to wonder what in the world, what could I discuss with you all that stays on topic? And I was flipping through the Bible, actually, and uh, there's one verse that seems to make a lot of sense in the way I kind of feel right now. And I, maybe some of the li- uh, listeners also, it says, then... Then the angel who had been talking with me returned and woke me as though I had been asleep. You're talking about what da- do you Daniel? see now? Is that Daniel? It's Zechariah chapter oh, Zachariah. four verse one. Okay. Yeah, I was keeping that a secret. I wasn't going to give it to you at the end. Oh, okay. That's what I feel like right now. And you know, then an angel. Then the angel who had been talking to me. I guess I would be awake during all that. Returned and woke and woke me. As though I had been asleep. So apparently, I'm not catching hardly a lot, any of this that's going on tonight. Uh, <laughs> I'm pre- I, I'm pretty sure the preachers don't don't understand that. Just me saying that w- within my church life, I don't remember hearing that. And if I'm not mistaken, I think I did hear that this may be the day or next week, uh, the same day that King David was born and died on. That I'm too. Not sure that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, Today yeah. Today is the day of Pentecost, and of course we know that that was the day the, uh, from the Jewish calendar that the uh, Ten Commandments are given at the base uh, at Mount Sinai, and then uh, centuries later it's the day that uh, David was born on, and then centuries later it becomes the day uh, after the ascension of Jesus. It becomes the day on which the the Holy Spirit. Uh, begins his new relationship with with God's people. He comes uh, and, and begins the era where he indwells every believer, everyone who comes to faith and comes into the family of God through faith in Messiah. We are now indwelt uh, by the Spirit. He is there. He's our spiritual wingman, as we say in the Air Force. He, he's yeah, there to I heard us to glory. I heard something about you know the day of. Pentecost, how everybody understood, you know, the language, you know, mm-hmm. everyone understood each other. And also I was reading this weekend with the city of Babylon, how the spirit, and might have been the spirit of God, had made everyone what they couldn't understand. And that's why they separated. But I'm, I'm thinking, you know, 
it's millions of thousands of people that know English and no one knows what anyone else is saying. So I'm not sure if they all change languages or not. Well, there's I more think to the language than just phonetics, isn't there? I mean, the yeah, understanding yeah. is more difficult. Where did you say in Jeremiah chapter 4 was that thing about going to sleep? Zechariah chapter 4 oh, verse Zachar- 1. Zechariah. Zechariah. Yeah, they talk about lampstands and all that. And I guess with an angel standing next to him, he didn't realize it, and he dozed off. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, uh, a lot of dozing you know, going on here. Yeah, I'm going dozing too. Uh, you know, I was going to tell you. Uh, I, I watched a little bit of that wedding, at, you know, in the rehearsal, not the rehearsal, but the uh, after the fact. The you royal, know, the royal wedding. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, and even what I liked about it, I just liked about it that they let that young man marry that girl. Nobody gave him any hassle. There wasn't no, she's this and he's that, and he's a white guy and she's a black girl, and he's a it just it's and she's for, a, yeah yeah. And for 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 once, at least in this moment, they just let these two people alone, and they're they're in love, and I believe they are. And uh, you know, I thought that was really good. That's one of the good things. That I liked about that You're wedding. Good. Well, I'm glad you. Jacob is awful quiet tonight. Yeah, is he he's there not for sure. Off on that, but well, he is I'm here. I promise. Listening. I'm just listening. I'm listening. He. Uh, he I know. A, I know. It's a humbling moment. He's listening. You know, uh, I didn't watch. To be very honest, I didn't watch any of it. I, uh, but my wife did. She loves that sort of thing. And, uh, oh, sure. And she got me in. A, oh, I guess she did bring me in to listen to the, the preacher. Uh, he was really quite good about God and about the Savior and about, I mean, he was, mm-hmm. you know, he uh, preached a sermon. He's a, an American preacher from Chicago, I guess, uh, but very, wow. very Christ-centered, very God-honoring uh, sermon. So I, I, I'm hoping it's an indication that these two young people also uh, know the Lord and that, that he means something to them more than just a you know, ritual type thing. I, I'm hoping that yeah. they, they do. We'll 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 see. She seems to be a remarkable young lady for sure. And and I would oh, say, that's for sure. And I would say the the fact that he would have would have the courage to choose a kind of a commoner and so on. That it it also says something about him that he's probably a remarkable fellow. That they seem and his family very, yeah. and his family left him alone as yeah. as far as i mean i don't live there but it just what i've seen on tv uh it just seems like everybody's happy and you know this guy yeah. loves this girl and i think that's the way things should be yeah. and uh 50 years ago you, you wouldn't have love. seen that <laughs> yeah well i'm gonna let y'all guys go thank y'all i'm guys. kind of at a loss tonight y'all guys well you're not at a loss yeah. you did really good thanks y'all guys thanks yeah. for calling harold nice hearing from you harold Call any time. You can call as well, 340-9585. We're kind of moving toward now our focus tonight in the scriptures is from the book of the Chronicles, 1 Chronicles. We we finished up 1 Chronicles, and then we moved on into 2 Chronicles. And uh, one of the first persons we talked about was this idea of the uh, uh, the ark and Obed-Adam. He had uh, anyone remember how many grandchildren he had? How many sons and grandsons? He had 62 sons and grandsons. Wow. And uh, it, it was all related to him having the ark of the covenant, uh, how his family was blessed. And they, I think he was a Levite 
and they all became musicians and in the you know choir members and so on in the uh, prayer <laughs> in, in the praise team there at, at the temple when uh, David finally did get the all the um, the Ark of the Covenant there. Then we're, we also, that's what we're going to talk about tonight is how now the temple is, is going to be built. Right. Uh, following David has set the pace. He gave a very generous offering himself and the people of Israel responded likewise. And, and they had plenty to, to build this beautiful, beautiful Solomon's temple was considered, I think one of the eight wonders of the world in its time. Is that not true? Jacob, the, the, Solomon's well, Temple was it, was... it was very impressive. Very, very impressive edifice. And, uh, and then there was something special about the Holy of Holies that Jacob keeps telling me that through, through the years, and you keep telling me this, but I don't think yet I actually comprehend what you're trying to tell me and the importance of it. I'm not quite sure I get how important it is or why it's important that the, uh, the uh, rods... That held up to um, uh, <laughs> the rods that held that used. There, there were these two rods that went. There were some rings on the side of the Ark of the Covenant, uh-huh. and these two long rods went through them, and that's what they were to yeah. use to carry it. Right, yeah. And you're saying that those rods were so long that they didn't fit within the. Uh, well, no, actually, uh, let's see. Where does that occur? I think that's in your question 15, I believe. What are we doing? Oh, you want, oh, he wants your paperback. No. <laughs> he wants his paperback. John is wanting his paperback. Okay. Did you grade it? I want my paperback, paperback. <laughs> see that? Was you what I did there? Oh, yeah. Anyway. So, uh, you want to go talk to Bob? Why not? We got some time to kill. <laughs> Bob, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean it that bad. Let's visit with our dear friend Bob calling in about on, on the Bible Live here. I don't know if you have a comment about the scripture, about Chronicles, or about something we've been talking about, the Holy Spirit. We'd love to hear from you, though. Uh, well, uh, Sophie, I was thinking about the, if you're talking about the rods, I was thinking <laughs> the rods won't fit, but until you take the skins down, the uh, the, the, the tapestries and, and, and take them down, then they'll fit in. But then when it was in the, in the house, the permanent, uh, hard, hard, hardened, uh, dwelling, well, it, it didn't have to move anymore, but in the, in the, in the wilderness and, uh, before the temple was built, it was a temporary dwelling. And then once the skins and, and tapestries and stuff would be taken down, then the poles could fit, would, would be able to fit. But uh, anyway, that's just a comment. Uh-huh. But uh, I, I guess with the royal wedding uh, taking place, and I don't have a TV, I, you know, I think the women love the weddings, and the, uh-huh. the guys, uh-huh. us guys, we're not that into it. But... Uh, 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 but uh, you know it, uh, it. It is a good story, and and I was just I, I've asked Jacob this before, and I can't remember what his reply was. But I think I'm wondering since uh, yes. is since, since the Israelis have uh, returned seventy years ago uh, politically, seventy years ago, and a hundred years ago with the Balfour Declaration, and and uh, you know well over a hundred years when when uh, they began to be- buy the land from the Arabs. You know, in the late uh, 19th century, and and begin to move uh, move Jews in there and 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 create the kibbutzes and etc. Uh, now that it's kind of solidified, 
the, the embassy has been moved to Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem has been liberated in '67. Uh-huh. Why haven't the why hasn't the nation of Israel looked around and find found who the royal family would be? The the, the, the descendant the descendants uh, the descendants of uh, uh, King David some, uh-huh. somewhere along the line. Uh, no attempt has been made. Has an attempt been made? Has no one has apparently stood up and said, uh, "Hey, I'll, uh, I'm 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 a descendant of David." And even I think Jacob even joked with me. He said, uh, "Well, I'm up for the job." But, yeah, uh, I, I, that's what he told me. Uh, he's just waiting for he's just waiting for his opportunity. Yeah, actually, waiting for the no, call. Originally, when Israel was reestablished, Einstein wanted to be the first president. Is that a fact? Yes, but they didn't let him have the job. Uh, but uh, I mean, a president is one thing, and and the prime minister is one thing. But the royal family, it would, it would be very interesting uh, that that if they would if they would have that. Yeah, actually, uh, Bob, uh, do you like Bob or do you like Robert? What do you prefer? I, I like them both, uh, but sometimes some other people call as Robert, and I don't want them to confuse me. I'm 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 the only Bob. Okay. Yeah, I, I would go with Bob because it's spelled the same way forwards or backwards. Oh, you know, yeah. I like that. Yes. Dodd? Is that <laughs> so backwards before Bob or Dodd? I don't know. Yeah. All right. Um, but uh, yeah, actually, so you know, yeah, all the, uh, everything has been, they actually have located where the ark is. And uh, and actually, the Muslims know that. You know, but, he's not talking about the ark. I know. He's talking about. But I'm talking about the lineage. Oh, okay. And, uh, but <laughs> I will tell you that they have got. They've been tracing down by DNA all the actual Aaron descendants of the Levites around the world. Mm-hmm. And they have got a list they're maintaining about all the real Levites. Yes. Yes. And, I've heard that. And I understand that they're also. Uh-oh. My goodness. They're starting with the Levites. When do they get to the tribe of Judah? And... Uh-huh. Well, I was going to say that I understand they are tracking down the descendants of Judah and David. Oh, that'd be awesome. There you go, my friend. You, you ask, okay. ask and answer. Okay. Thank you for okay. calling in. Yes, sir. One of my favorite songs. This is a beautiful song of, of God's love. I will testify to love, it's called. You can give us a call, 340-9585. We'll be right back. is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. No one can come to me unless my father draw him and I will raise him up and I will we are back. This is the Bible Live, and we're in our last segment already. I, I don't know what happens. It, just the first hour just flies by anymore. Uh, um, uh-huh. We're talking about. Uh, uh, we were talking. We're trying to kind of get into the Chronicles here. <clears throat> I got to stop this real fast. What's happening? 
the outro music stepped up, but a half hour too early, so we're, we we got to make sure. Oh, maybe we that's end. why the time's going so fast. <laughs> I think John's trying to get us rid rid of us. I, I don't know. That might be something behind that. Right, John, <clears throat> explain yourself, John. Yes, explain find yourself. A quicker, better way. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well then. Um, let, let's move into this idea now that David had this big project to move the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. He wanted Jerusalem to become the capital of Israel and the center of the nation. And interestingly enough, uh, we just finally uh, made the Jerusalem the uh, the capital, yeah. and we moved our, our embassy there to Jerusalem this last week. And that, yeah. That's kind of interesting that it coincides with this passage, but uh, we're, we're excited about that and happy about and actually, it. Actually, that's been a federal law for years. Uh-huh. Just nobody had nobody the courage to, yeah, to, to actually make it happen. Uh, with this if there's anything that this president have, it's chuspa. He, he, he seems to have the uh, the uh, guts to do a lot of things. We're, we're, we're hoping and praying that he has some success. Well, in some I of think these that's areas. the difference between people who just talk about things for a living and people who's actually had to get things done. Get things done. I, I think you're you're probably right there. And uh, God help him, Lord, please help him. Uh, I would love this thing with Korea to work out. If we could uh, see some progress with that, the denuclearization of the the Korean Peninsula, it'd be wonderful. Well, but then here we are. We're talking about the temple is already. David has given money. People have given money. Everything's prepared. He get, he's given the blueprint to his son Solomon. Everything's you're going to be the one kid. And so now David has uh, passed from the scene, and now Solomon is taking uh, the uh, the the impetus and and now this is the kind of the the top of the power the golden years of Israel they reach the pinnacle of their power and their influence their wealth there in the Middle East and uh, the temple is built along with a lot of other building projects that Solomon had in mind but the temple being among them they would they would cut down timber up in Lebanon and they would let it float it down the Mediterranean and then and then bring it by a wagon or how they drug it from the uh, from the coast uh, inland to Jerusalem and to the temple and so they they uh, the temple is built uh, how long does it take it tells us I think uh, doesn't it tell us a little well, bit of how long it took to yeah build the temple? it was about well, 20 years I think. Uh, if I remember correctly I think you're right there was but a very ornate very beautiful structure uh, fashioned on the idea of the the, the tabernacle but uh, everything more it's actually a microcosm of the reconstruction of the universe and the earth oh okay well that, that's I actually was, that I, I was just a little more modest in my yes. <laughs> well actually that is if i may that's actually should be i think the construction of churches you see this is why if you go back and you go through all this, and I say the, the lengthy and somewhat tedious stuff in the book of Exodus, all these things you're reading, you're reading, you're reading. We're actually reading a physical microcosm of what was done to create the earth. And if you go back and look at the structure of the tabernacle and indeed the temple, you'll see at the outer edges, it's actually right out of Genesis. You got the sea or the water. Remember, and then God yes, separates uh, the water. And then as you're going in, you get the seven days, the candlestick, the menorah. And then you come to the curtain. Huh? 
and a curtain. The sea, the sea. I, I'm, I'm stuck on the, that imagery. Yeah, I yeah. know it was the so, uh, it was that basin right. of water. So what, where the, what you're seeing is a microcosm, a picture of Genesis and creation of the uh, universe. Uh-huh. And as you work your way in and you get back to the curtain, uh-huh. that's like the heavens above us. But beyond that curtain is where God is. So it's actually showing what this is all hmm. about. So it's actually recreating in your own sense of worship what God created. Hmm. I have a good friend, uh, a number of good friends who are pastors here in San Antonio after all the years. And I would I, think you do. I remember David Walker one time, a uh, pastor of the Alamo City uh, Christian Church there on uh, uh, Loop 410 uh, on the east side of the city. I remember one time... We were talking, and, and several pastors have talked to me about this, about the architecture involved in a, con- in, a, in, a in a church, in a church building, that is. And I kind of I, I kind of have a love-hate, trust, note trust relationship with it. In some ways, we, we kind of look at it and go, man, all that money spent on this building and, you know, the carpet and the this and the that. And there's a little bit of kind of a little bit of slight resentment about uh, so much investment in bricks and mortar in a building. Uh, and, 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 of course, we all know all the discussions of that's not really the church. The church is the people. You know, it's we are the church scattered and in gathered on the weekend when we gather to worship. And so, so there's some truth to that. And yet, on the other hand, I, I do think some of uh, I've seen some churches that really do church buildings that really do inspire worship and they facilitate uh, thoughts of God and his grandeur and his you know and everything we know about God in the architecture it is good to see that uh so I I, I admire. I remember the Crystal Cathedral, you know, like in like in L.A. and other places that, uh, and I've seen churches that I've really enjoyed a certain aspect of the fountain, the water fl- flowing from you know the fountain, the the water of life, and so on. So there there are some things that could be done. Maybe there's some things that could be done that didn't, didn't involve so much expense. I don't I don't know. Maybe that would be the difference. But uh, Solomon spared no expense. This temple was well, speaking of that. In, in our readings tonight, Second Chronicles, uh-huh. uh, chapter three, verse eight through fourteen. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That would be actually referencing, I think, your question number fifteen. Is that the one that? Uh, uh, okay, uh, no, that, that, that's not the passage where David gave uh, this huge offering himself. No, no, this and, is uh, about measurements. Okay, Second Chronicles, chapter. Three, what, what did you have in mind about well, it? Well, here's what? what happens. We have, throughout this, we're given the measurements of how big the inside. Yes. Very detailed right. uh, measurements. But then it's telling us how big the ark is. Uh-huh. And if you sit down and work it out, you'll find the ark is too big to fit into the Holy of Holies. Now, you're not talking about the, the box itself. The I ark. am, I am. The box itself? Yeah. Oh, I thought the box itself was not that big. Well, look at it tells how big the angel's wings are spreading. Okay. And so uh, would the angel's wings be t- uh, scratching against the internal walls? The total wingspan of the two cherubim standing side by side was 30 feet. Wow, that's a lot bigger than I had thought. Well, the point is... That this is larger. Now, you never notice in the in the Bible, always talks about cubits, and and you sometimes you hear you see these commentary notes that says, well, it could be anywhere from like eighteen inches to twenty two inches. Do you know why? 
Do you know why it varies? Uh, no. Uh, because every, uh, say, pharaoh or king wanted to have his own input into what he was building. So people are different sizes. So some guy might have uh, only 18 inches from his elbow to his wrist. The next guy might have three inches longer because he's a bigger guy. So it would be built after his personal body size. That's why it says in the cubits that it might be 18 to 22. But what they're not explaining is that the building is actually built to the measurements of that particular king. That's why the measurements vary. Right. Does that make any sense? What's a cubit? <laughs> right. A cubit is eight, no. like 18 to 22. Because yeah. That's because people, the king who's in charge, it's actually based on his body. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so what you've got is you've got all these measurements. And you'll find that what's actually happening is that, the, uh, is that it's actually too big to fit in to the... Uh, to fit in. However, it tells you that the poles that are sticking out beyond the curtain is, are visible. Okay. Now, the, 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 it says here that the, uh, the, the, so the wingspan of the two cherubim side by side was 30 feet. Now, 30 feet, does that not fit in the Holy of Holies? Well, if you go back to another part, you'll find the exact measurements of the building. Uh-huh. So what it's doing in its way, it's trying to say, look, it's too big to fit in, but yet it fits in. In other words, may I, in our language, we'd say it existed in two different dimensions. But t- this is their way of saying it's there, but it can't fit, but it's still there. In other words... It's in the heavenly realm and the, the spiritual realm and the physical realm. So it actually exists in more than one dimension, we would say in our language. So uh, see, you've said this to me a number of times, and, and I'm guessing I don't quite get it still. It's, I mean, you're seriously saying that there was something about supernatural about the actual... Ark of the Covenant itself, Remember, somehow or other, yes. it fit and it didn't fit. And right. It, so if, if something is there... No wonder I didn't understand it. Yeah, something if something is there, but it's not there, but it's still there, then it's somehow existing in more than one dimension. It's kind of like what we might call in modern lingo the, the string theory or uh, the time, all that kind of stuff, because it's actually too big, but it fits. <laughs> Okay, well, I don't even know what to do with that. Is it no, have a okay. significance? It's, it's probably one of those things that's not important, but it's... Uh, it, it, well, it, well, you know, it might be one of those things, like you said before, like 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 uh, uh, Pentecost. You know, it's, it's far more important than we know, and we ought to talk about it more. But um, that does sound very striking. It does. Uh, yeah, you've told me that many times, and I've never quite understood the idea and the importance of it. Uh, or, or what, if there's an application, if there's some kind of a, um, if there's some kind of a so what, you know. Uh, well, okay. let's talk about what else is in the ark. Okay. Now we learn in, yep. in the Chronicles tonight. There's something additional in the ark, and it's a, if you look in chapter. Well, there's five, several things in the ark of the covenant, right? There, there is within in the. It, it's 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 essentially a, a gold uh, inlaid uh, box, right? I mean, it's. It, I never thought of the Ark of the Covenant itself, the box being that big. 
But I guess the well, with the, the angels, angels with the top. angels and everything, it is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So then, the box itself has in it. Uh, there are several things. Maybe uh, uh, has. Oh, does it have the the uh, the new when when God when they broke the stone tablets that the Ten Commandments were on Moses threw them down and they were broken, they were replaced. They got a, a second set of tablets with with the Ten Commandments. I think those are in the Ark of the Covenant, right? Well, let's look at your question. Where's that? Um, uh, it's number, number sixteen. 16 yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. You have remember when they had that time when uh, Moses' sister uh, uh, Miriam they they tried to uh, usurp or get in on some of uh, Aaron's power, right? And and they uh, uh, they tried to and, and so it came down to Moses said, "Okay, all of you bring uh, bring a staff, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. leaders of all the tribes." Right. And they put him out in overnight. Karak. Yeah. And overnight, Aaron's staff bloomed. It did. And, and actually, you're right. It's a, so then they it, put it that. Is, what's in there was the original broken tablets uh-huh. and, indeed, the new set oh, the, the, and And the new ones. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. And then also that, that rod that had blossomed and, uh, of Aaron's. And it seems like there was something else. Something. Well. Manna. Uh, manna, uh, I think. The jar of manna. Uh-huh. Okay. Now there's also the. Uh, the you uh, you thought that wouldn't have lasted very long. Was that also kind of one of the supernatural ex- aspects that it? Yeah, that's that's old bread, I tell you for sure. <laughs> okay, men in there. Well, let's go and let Esther talk to us a bit. Esther is on the line and has some thoughts about either the temple or the Holy of Holies hey. or the tabernacle or uh, Pentecost or something. Esther, or it's rec- always good to hear from you. the recipe for bread. Or the, or the royal wedding, maybe. I don't know. Hi, Jacob, and, and hi, Sophie. Uh, good evening. Uh, I, I, I wanted to call, since you're talking about the ark, I remember that uh, I was reading in the Bible recently and uh, came across a Jewish commentary about the ark when they carried it. Remember, they carried it in on poles, and only the Levites could carry it, right? Right, right. Yes. That was a way to carry it. And if you put it on a cart <laughs> and tried to, to keep it from falling, you got in big trouble. Nice. You guys talked about that. But yes. the thing that... That uh, was so really beautiful, and I want to believe that this is true. Uh, when they carried the ark, when the Levites were carrying the ark, it was like weightless. It almost carried them. It, it was an effortless thing because the ark, like you could just imagine, floating. And uh, they're hanging on. <laughs> they're oh, hanging on yeah, to the. Yeah. It, it, who's carrying um, who? Right. Yeah, I get that. Well, it makes sense because uh, God was saying uh, in the Tanakh that uh, men make false gods, idols, and they hammer them and and fix them, and then they lug them around. <laughs> and He right. says, "I can do you." So it it oh. really struck a clue. I, right. I would just take a minute to hear that. Fascinating, it really is. I, it's hard to think of the of the Ark of the Covenant without, in some ways, uh, uh, thinking of it as 
uh, you know, something almost magical, something like Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark. You remember when when the guy touched it unworthily and he was melted and so on? Uh, it's hard to think of him. And yet, uh, on the other hand, uh, there is that idea about not in, having engraved images and so on. Uh, do, how, how do Jewish people see that? The idea? Do they see the Ark as any... It's not an idol. Of it's not an idol, but you must remember that for the Christians, they have the embodiment in their minds because they haven't seen Jesus today. Uh-huh. So they have the embodiment in their mind and uh, what they picture Jesus to be as a person on earth. So I see him with a beautiful feather headdress. Uh, and uh, uh, No, I'm kidding. Well, <laughs> we each see them in our own. Thank you for calling in, Esther. Good to hear from you. Okay, well, but there is something that's needed uh, for... Now, the word ritual does not occur in the Jewish Bible. Uh, That's a word that's been tagged on as though it's something less than. But uh, let's use the word ritual. Mm -hmm. So if you've got something, it's like this. If you have something that you begin to do as a routine... Uh, maybe the first few times it doesn't mean something, but when you do it over and over, it begins to pick up a meaning. So uh, the box itself, while it may not be anything to start with, we, it's not to be worshipped, and it's certainly not an idol. Mm-hmm. But it is something that people could relate to as a human being because they can look at it and say it. Now, the Jews didn't have, let's say, a person walking around like Jesus. hmm so they they had these things to physically look at, and if you physically look at things, but they were promised one day that there would be a king walking around who would rule justly, and I mean, yeah, the whole idea of Messiah maybe that was well, the the understanding is that there would be a Messiah. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, however, in the meantime, what you've got is this thing that's being carried. So you actually now, when the Romans actually destroyed the, the second temple. They went in, and the Titus, if I remember correctly, walked into the actually went into the Holy of Holies, and he came out and he said, "These Jews are crazy. There's nothing in there." <laughs> and they actually said that. Yeah. Well, uh, in Jewish legend is is that uh, he later uh, had some problems in his mind. Yeah, exactly. But um, but they but they actually they couldn't understand the Romans could not understand because they didn't have something physical in there like an idol or a god, uh-huh, uh-huh. and so they he actually came out and said, "There's nothing in there. What are they worshiping?" So they didn't have the concept that God is beyond something physical, and that was the idea. In fact. What we're reading about uh, the size of the ark and and everything that's in there, it actually says, and I'll just read one line to you. Uh, it's very interesting. It's in Second uh, uh, Chronicles five, and it says that uh, the uh, verse five eight, and it says the wings of the cherubim were spread over the place of the ark so that the cherubim covered the ark and its poles from above. The poles projected so the tips could be seen from beyond. The ark in front of the devere or the curtain. Although they could not be seen from the other side. So it's trying to tell you that in their way, there's something that existed. In fact, if I may suggest, in the book of 
Hebrews and the Christian scriptures, it constantly says the ark is a shadow of what's in heaven. Uh-huh. So if we reverse it, instead of things casting a shadow on earth, um, the shadow that we feel like a desk, a piece of wood, that's the shadow of what's in heaven. And that's actually pretty darn accurate of how the idea is that there's something in heaven and what's on earth is the shadow of what it is. That's so very interesting because we think of this. As human beings, we become so earthbound in our thinking. Everything becomes material in this and that. And, and yet the idea is that what we're experiencing here is only a shadow of reality. Of, uh, in fact, but in the book of Hebrews, in the Christian scriptures, it says these are only shadow of things. No, it's not just limiting it to the ark. Now, I hope you got your seatbelt on. You're going to have difficulty with this? I know that. But nonetheless, we'll let you work it out. If there is, now, think physically, you leave Egypt. And in Hebrew, it's Mitzrayim, which is Uh the boundaries or limitations of sin, idols, gods. Uh If you go through the wilderness, that's like us passing through this world, this Uh physical world. And after we pass through this physical world, we get to heaven, right? That's the idea. So... If you make but as we pass through this world, we have the tabernacle, which is God's presence in our uh, midst. Sure. A, a picture of the Holy God's, Spirit. You there. have God's mm-hmm. word. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, but when you get to Israel, Israel exists. And that is a, let's call it a symbolism or a shadow of what you might call heaven. Mm-hmm. In other words, if there is no shadow, then there can be nothing that casts the shadow. So if the land of Israel does not exist, what you're really saying is there is no heaven. Because mm-hmm. if it's a shadow, like the ark, then indeed, the, what you're really saying is there is no heaven. Because if there's nothing, it can't cast a shadow. What do you think about that? And our shadow. Well, it really lines up with something C.S. Lewis said about about uh, uh, ultimate reality and, and the whole idea that if you lived in a world, uh, it would be an absurdity to live in a world where you had a deep desire and a hunger, a thirst, for example, and there's no such thing as water. Uh, the, the existence of the thirst uh, is... Uh, Surely, a great, strong evidence that there is such a thing as water, and if it doesn't find water in the in in the world you're living in, that thirst was probably then it, it is there to remind you that this is not your final right. destiny; mm-hmm. that it is somewhere where that will so be satisfied. So it's teaching yeah. you something from the physical world, so you can understand right. something about the spiritual world. Right now, I want to know in the interest of time. Uh-huh. You know, there's a spot where uh, Jesus talks about in the Gospels about uh, they cast out and they catch 153 fish, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Well, where in the world does that come from? Uh, 153 fish is 153 nations. Oh, no, you, you got it. Oh. <laughs> and it's actually in tonight's read. Is that really? Huh? Tell me about it. Where? Well, you'll find it in Second uh, Chronicles chapter two. Uh huh. Go and, ahead. And uh, it says, and Solomon made a count of all the. It is, my version is from the Hebrew, so it says basically strangers or foreigners uh-huh. uh, who had taken up residence in the land of Israel. Besides the census, which his father David had conducted among them, there were found to be a hundred and fifty-three. 600 
people, 153 uh-huh. nations, uh, 153,600 uh-huh. people, which represented the nations. So those are the uh, the fish is the idea of fertility and spreading and growing. So when they pull in 153 fish in the Gospels, they're referring to the nations that were represented in Israel. Ah, interesting. Yes, and uh, all the nations of the world the represented. There you go. Yes. I like that because uh, this is uh, that's one of my passions is is the great commission that Jesus gave us that we should share the message of His love and the atonement yeah. of His life. I, I uh, always with use others. that as one of my with the whole world. jokes about uh, Jesus. He could prove he was Jewish because he said, "Hey, go out and work on a great commission." <laughs> I know that you got on a word for us as well about I, I do. Yep. Uh, so we should always remember. You always be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. Uh, I like that. I like it a lot. Let's say good night to you folks. Great to have you along. We'll see you next week, and we'll continue through the books of Second Chronicles, and I think head back even to the book of Romans coming up real soon. See you then. Dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture, and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 